What's going on, everybody? I am so excited to be here with the gentleman that you are looking at, Dr. Matthew Norton, as he is kicking off his inaugural episode. It's an absolute honor to be here with him for some of these initial episodes. Um, I have had the opportunity to work with Dr. Norton for years, and I just want to frame this out by saying that he is somebody that has given to so many people has helped so many people. And what I'm really excited about is we're going to kind of flip this around for the next 11 to 12 episodes. And we're going to learn about him and we're going to learn about the insight that he has after years and years of coaching and leadership. And we're going to even get into some of these, you know, custom assessments that he's built and all of that. But it's an absolute pleasure to be here with you, Matthew, and it's great to see you. How you doing? I'm doing great, John. Good to be with you. Always appreciate uh, the opportunity we have to be together. So thank you. So this is episode one, like we mentioned, of the Dr. Matthew Norton show. And so for those of you that are listening to this on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, watching it on any of the social media channels, a big part of the work that Dr. Norton is going to be doing moving forward is getting the word out about coaching and what he's doing and all of that. So we'd love to have you subscribe on all those channels. It means a lot um, as we move forward and continue to educate. So, all right, so today's episode, we're gonna, we're gonna start a little bit at the beginning. We're gonna go a little bit with your story. I think uh, it's, it's, it's a fun place to start and I think it's a very valuable place to start because I think it sets a really good framework for the work that you're going to be doing moving forward in this coaching space. So yeah, let, let's go ahead and start there. And like, I have this titled inspired to a life of coaching. So let's kind of start there and talk a little bit about the significance of your company name, people plus purpose and where it all began. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, people plus purpose, um, on purpose, <laughs> um, both were missing. Uh, when I was growing up. So I came from a broken family that where there wasn't a lot of guidance, wisdom, uh, meaningful relationships. So I feel like my whole life, I've been on this journey to, to build meaningful relationships, uh, to be able to have a North Star that to guide me uh, in the work that I do, in the relationships that I have, in the, in the uh, what I'm trying to contribute and accomplish uh, during this life that I have, right? So I think that, you know, I've never been able to stop uh, along, that, along that line. And it really does inform the life that I live today. Uh, all the work that I do is, is in that people plus purpose direction. And where did it all began? I would say it began in earnest, really. Um, in 1987, uh, back in August of 87, um, I was married and had, uh, my wife had twin three-year-old daughters and two and a half years later, if we fast forward a little bit more than that, uh, I had, I had just officially adopted the twins and then she had a heart attack at the age of 34 and died. And so suddenly here I was with twin five-year-olds and the reason I had them gone. And I went through those, all those stages of grieving, of, of denial, and then into bargaining, uh, into anger when the bargaining to have something change or be different failed. 
And ultimately, I remember specifically the day when I got to the point to where uh, that fourth and final element of grieving took place or a key moment in that anyway, to where I, the girls were gone and I was alone. And I was calling out to God saying that if I could have a life that felt like it was worth living again, that I would dedicate the rest of my life to helping other people find their purpose and to be able to be set free to live their best life. And that really has that powered me through the rest of my patient care days and has informed my this eventual movement that we'll talk about more into the world of coaching. So, I mean, that's that's how I would say we it, this all got started. It's a great place to start. And I'm so glad that you shared that because I think like many of the conversations that you have and, and people that you work with, I think that foundation means a lot. Uh, and, and you talked about, uh, you talked about it a little bit, which is, you know, your patient care days. And so, you know, can you talk a little bit about that transition from patient care and what you were doing there? And then maybe it was the light bulb, maybe it was this experience that, that, that you went through and, and you pulled through that, that drove you to want to be a coach. Uh, can, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, my, my work, uh, for the bulk of my career was always patient focused. I never intended uh, during any of those years to be uh, coaching other professionals, other business owners. That was never a plan. I was always patient focused. In 2008, I, I published a book that was called Where Does It Hurt? And so that was that book. Yes, a younger version of me, <laughs> 2008. And at that point, I was 25 years into practice. I'd experienced miracle stories of things that I saw occurring in people's lives. I felt like people don't know what's possible and I wanted to share that. So that was why I spent pretty much three years of my spare time writing that book. And the what I was what I was seeing, people were, would come to me primarily because they had pain, but I didn't see them as, as a pain person. I saw them as a human being that had a story, that had a life, that had dreams, and this pain was getting in the way. It was blocking them from being able to move forward. It was blocking them. And, and that kind of then harkened back to the much earlier on when I'd gone through what I had mentioned with my first wife. And, and I thought about what is blocking people? And in the book, I have a little section called What's Blocking You? Because I realized that pain was blocking people, but also I saw, began to see the mental, emotional, spiritual uh, factors of what was happening in people's lives that, were, that was getting in the way. And so uh, when that book was published, it led to speaking opportunities, it led to media opportunities that got me in, in front of a bunch of new audiences. And it was in that that I started having people say, uh, well, I'd like to be able to do some of that. I'd like to be able to, how could I take what I know and be able to have an impact in some of the ways that you seem to be doing now based on your background? And that was the beginning of things beginning to turn. Um, so 
it gave me a chance to share my passionate messages with a broader audience at that point. That was the beginning really of a coaching company with a business partner that was a precursor to People Plus Purpose. Um, and, you know, I, I loved every minute of patient care. I, I never stopped loving patient care. I, I, I was involved in patient care for 33 years, loved it all the way to the very last patient, but it had been overlapping for about seven or eight years, having both this coaching company that I was developing that was gaining traction. Uh, I was loving what I was doing there. I couldn't do both anymore. I needed to get back to more of a singular focus and I wanted to be, I, I had done all of that. Sometimes people since said, well, why would you leave that? It was amazing what you'd done. And it was a mostly cash practice. I was impacting a lot of people. Uh, but that was kind of the thing is that I had done that. I'd already done that for 33 years. I felt like there was more in me. I felt like I wanted rather than just one person at a time in front of me. And that was still a lot of people in 33 years. I thought that if I could help equip and empower more people to be able to more effectively serve and care for more of their patients, their clients, their customers, then I could make an even bigger impact on the world. So that was, that's kind of how that transition occurred and then eventually reached the point to where it was like I was able to sell the practice and then move completely into the coaching work that I'm doing. So when I think about coaching, as you know, Matthew, uh, it, it's, I don't know if there's a more broad <laughs> term, right? <laughs> In regards to the type of coaching, what right. you coach, who you coach and all of that. So I want to get into the focus a little bit, but, you know, hearing you tell your story of patient care, it's, it's, at least when I look at coaching in one area, the way I look at it is you're helping people win. So whatever your focus is, like in the case of helping your patients, you are helping them win. And maybe winning was feeling better or making progress through whatever, you know, health challenges that they had. And of course, you know, we always have the, the analogy of sports, right? I mean, when you look at teams that have been successful over the years, championship teams, like they had a coach and that co coach's whole idea was to help them win. So, as you made that decision to do more in the coaching world, how did you find your focus? Like where, like where did you land and how did you, I guess, get your hands around what I feel like can be very difficult at times to, 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 and, and maybe that was why I don't know. Maybe that's why a lot of your colleagues and friends and family were like, why would you leave where you were? It was, it was, you know, a set uh, lane of, of practicing medicine, and all of that. So, so, where, where did you land in regards to your focus with coaching? That's a good question. And yes, I'm not a, like a basketball coach, for example. So you're right. Coaching is a very broad, broad designation. So yeah, I mean, I'm, it, my work is not industry specific uh, because I, where I land is back to that beginning of people plus purpose, right? Um, I, you're right. I, I was a coach to patients. Um, I did help them. We found where the blockages were, where the disturbances were, what was, what was going wrong that was interfering with their function and therefore their, their joy and their ability to, to thrive at the highest level. So, uh, you know, where I've landed then is in that world of, of relationships 
And also, I, I'm an idea person. I'm a relationship person. I'm an action person. And so I love to meet business owners, professionals especially, uh, but I love to work with with founders. I love to work with the passionate visionary behind a business. And I want to help them clarify where they're going. I'll often use the, the Wizard of Oz metaphor uh, in the sense of where is that Emerald City that we're heading towards? And what would it look like out ahead if you could reach that Emerald City? Because most people feel like, I mean, I haven't arrived. I, I may be doing well. I may be enjoying what I'm doing, but I'm not where I want to go. So can we see that a little more clearly? Can we see where a win is for ownership, for team, for the people that you want to serve, and then for the larger community of people that you'd like to serve or that you'd like to be better because you exist as a business? And, and then where are you now? If that's where we're going, where are you now? And then what are some of the blockages? Where are some of the challenges? Are there leadership challenges? Do you, I work with so many genius, smart, and technically skilled people who never, not only often did not learn enough about business, but they did not learn how to be leaders of people. And then, but as a business owner, as a leader, they have people that to guide, people to bring together as a team. So are there leadership skills and breakthroughs that need to occur? Are there, is there a need to improve team performance? How are we doing relative to our hiring? Uh, are we clear on the driving vision and, and uh, mission of, of the organization? So I like to dive in and, and work with people. And, and part of the reason for the change is in, my, in my, my avenue of serving as a doctor, I often, people were coming to me for physical things. And even though I knew there were mental, emotional, spiritual things, that were underneath that, that were fact key factors. I didn't have time. The setup wasn't in that way. And they weren't necessarily thinking they were coming to see me or talking to me about those things. So what I love about the structure that I've built now through a more intentional focused coaching development conversations is to be able to have more time with people. Uh, to be able to go to those places to locate root causes and to say, where do we need help? Where does this person need to be set free? What do they need to learn? So it's those things for needed breakthroughs to be able to move down the, that yellow brick road to get to the Emerald City, but also who are you traveling with? So the other part is people. Who are you as a leader? Um, you know, with Dorothy and her friends in The Wizard of Oz, uh, you know, Dorothy was a unique individual. She had certain driving factors why she wanted to get to the Emerald City, uh, but she had certain strengths. She had areas that were weaker. And then every one of her friends that she met along the way had those same things. They had different strengths that commended them. And they also had weaker areas that they would poke fun at each other, right? They wouldn't, they would meet, it would be like, oh, we see this area of weakness that you have. Uh, but we also then can see what you add to us as a, you know, this band of misfits in a sense that Dorothy was with her team traveling that yellow brick road. But each, each character brought something uniquely meaningful 
to this team. And I feel like that's the same thing in a business that we have a, a leader driven to go somewhere to build something. They need people around them that have their unique strengths, but also have weaker areas, have challenges. Uh, we all bring those things. So how are we going to navigate that? So I love the psychology, the brain science, the human behavior that kind of describes that journey and describes this unique group of people. And then as we hire other people, who are we looking for? How do we know who to add into this team to be able to accomplish what we want to accomplish? Are they a good fit? Um, so I think that's a lot of it. Where are those weaker areas? I mean, maybe just a couple of examples or, you know, as I mentioned, leadership team culture shortcomings, uh, relationship challenges, a lot of times communication, conflict resolution or issues, the inability to really work together, collaborate at the highest level, uh, a vague mission or uh, vision, or, you know, at least one that isn't super compelling when it comes to all the leaders and the team. So. That's kind of what my journey is like in coaching and where I'm, where I'm landing, I guess, to answer your question. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, it's interesting. You and I have, have been doing work in dentistry for many years. And I think of the analogy that we hear all the time that the dentist went to dental school uh, to be a practitioner, right? To perform clinical, uh, their, you know, hone their clinical skills and to be able to you know, help patients move forward. And then they woke up one day and someone said, oh, by the way, like you are running this dental practice, like you do have to understand business. Oh, and by the way, you do probably have a team, so you're going to have to be a leader. And it's like right. one thing stacked on top of the next. And then we'll move that outside of dentistry. And I think about the founders that you speak of and that you've worked with and that you like to work with. And, you know, here are individuals that are unique in their own right because they're risk takers. They want to do things that others don't want to do. Uh, where in their like skill set is leadership. And as you right. know so very well, it's not there. Um, and, and yet they find themselves in situations where their product, their service, their idea becomes a reality. They have a team of 10 people. And now what the heck do they do? So I, I think it's such a fascinating journey that you have, you know, moved from, you know, care to coaching. And then I think more along lines that this, you know, the purpose side of relationships, because, and honestly, Matthew, I'm curious on your thoughts of this. I feel like, I don't know, I guess we could kind of decade jump here a little bit. You know, we got the eighties and the nineties and the two thousands and all of that. And I feel like business and industry has gone through so many changes and we went through this, like, assembly line feel. And, and I, f I feel like, and tell me if I'm wrong, that like businesses now are looking at more than ever the importance of leadership and people and meaning and purpose. Like it's always been talked about like a very high level thing in an organization. It's like what you were supposed to say in your mission statement, but how right. many people actually you know, took the time to develop and especially on the leadership side. So just where are we now? I guess that's kind of like a, something I wanted to ask you is like, when you look at yeah. the state of business now and business leaders now, like, where are we? Yeah, I think life has gotten so much more complicated. Business is complicated. There's a lot that's being done virtually. 
I think there's a number of things con that are converging at this time. I think the whole AI piece is as technology continued to advance to begin do, to do more things for cost containment, scalability with with people answering phones, uh, you know, in other countries maybe, and and not always understanding exactly their accents to to nobody answering phones and just like chatting at work you know, you can't get out of, a, you know, when you call in and you can't get out of the repeating cycle of automation. I think people want to be connected to people maybe more than they have been in a long time, if ever. So we've got more opportunities to connect, to communicate, but I think our connecting and our communicating is possibly worse than it's been ever uh, in terms of what's really said, what's really meaningful. Um, in terms of actually feeling like there's caring people to help. Uh, so I think, you know, during the whole COVID thing, we realized that, that, that business is not business unless there's people in it. And when people couldn't be together in a way, when people in certain businesses either shut down or scaled back, I think we realized the importance of people. There's been challenges with hiring since uh, people not wanting to go back to the same jobs that they had before, wanting to work from home. And then how do we do the whole work from home thing where people are spread out? How do we know, are people really committed working from home to the vision and the mission? Are they, do we have to micromanage people or are they all in? I mean, it, it makes me think about Gallup and their state of the global workplace saying that 70% of the workforce internationally, I mean, this was a few years ago, uh, it's probably worse now that 70% of the people of the workforce was not engaged. Uh, they, they, you know, for some reason were not bought in and Gallup's answers are really a lot of where my focus is then is they said to have build a strengths-based workplace as one solution of that. And we'll talk about assessments that that I that I do uh, to be a part of building that intentional strengths-based workplace, but also have a purpose-driven versus just a paycheck-driven mission. And people know if it's just a mission statement that isn't meaningful, we're just, maybe we memorize it. I had one client where they had, uh, one of their patients had, had actually crocheted the mission statement, which must have taken quite a while, was up on their wall in their break room. But when I asked the people about it, they said, yeah, it's there. We all kind of had to learn it, but it's basically meaningless on a day-to-day -day basis. So they weren't really bought into that. And a lot of that flows from the leadership, from the owners. Are they... Uh, are they engaged at the highest level with that compelling mission? And the third one was to have an environment where you have ongoing growth and development and that especially the younger uh, team members, younger workers of today w see their ability to grow and develop being part of what they're looking for in their work experience, not just to serve their time, get their paycheck and go home. Uh, they want connection. They want to have good friends there. So, you know, so how do we do that? How do we build something like that? And uh, one more thought on that is that uh, people are the greatest expense in a business almost all of the time. And I believe that they don't have to just be the greatest expense. They should be the greatest asset uh, for, for that business. And that, that it's more important actually that we serve our team than it is that we, than we serve our end client, customer, patient, 
because now we've brought the team in as a unified force powerfully engaged in that purpose-driven mission and now together we can convey at the highest level deliver what we're wanting to deliver to the people that we're serving so maybe was it last week um i was we had we were with some friends and uh some newer friends in the neighborhood and we got on this philosophical conversation i don't know how it happened it was like very organic but i guess in a way it's kind of like somebody that you work with when you're their coach and you you know just they feel comfortable talking to you and so like you mentioned like they just sometimes they just need to talk to somebody right like i mean coaching means a lot of different things mm -hmm. But it transitioned pretty quickly. I don't know how to actually assessments. And I know you just kind of mentioned that, right? And, and it struck me because I knew that we were going to be doing this and that we were going to be talking about this. And so I'd kind of made a note that I wanted to make sure that I came back on, on this, this mm. situation because there's an element, as you know, Matthew, between like talking about what you're going to do, committed to having a coach and then starting to put like a framework around it, right? An actual sandbox around it, meaning like, okay, like what type of development are we going to do and how are we going to measure our process? And if I am going to work with you and you are going to be my coach, how can I make sure that like we are moving forward and not going like two steps back and, and, and one step forward? So the assessment I know is a big part of, of, of what you've done. And I'd love to have you share that and, and maybe talk with everybody why why, why you did that? Like why you made that a very integral part of the work that you do in coaching was to connect that assessment piece, not only just any assessments, but assessments that you over the years have actually put together your own experience. I just think it's very unique in regards to your offering, but I'd love to have you share with everybody kind of the why behind those. Great. Thank you, John. Yeah. Well, okay. So the, the, uh, the one word, the two word answer is my wife. <laughs> uh, uh, as to why the assessments needed to be an integral part of the coaching, because in the beginning, when I started coaching, she said, you've got to have that be at the foundation. And I went, oh, you're right. So that's the short answer, my wife. Uh, the longer answer, which, you know, I can have longer answers, is that um, I've been using assessments 26 years. I, I'm fascinated with them, not from the place of trying to judge people, box people in, bind somebody to some limiting description. But I, if I'm going to coach somebody, then I want to coach that person. I want to coach that collection, that team, that collection of individuals, and that everybody is unique. So there is no cookie cutter approach. And I think that not to fault any other coaching, consulting, management company approach, but to say, how personalized can we have this be? So if I can know, back to the Gallup talking about a strengths-based workplace, then if I'm going to have an impact and I'm going to have it quickly, if I'm going to make, help make a difference in their bottom line if, and be more profitable, have more production, be able to solve the human dilemmas that are going on that are getting in the way of them being all that they could be, then I don't have time to get to know people individually. Mm -hmm. It happens over a longer period of time. Certainly I do, but I need to know things about them. I need to know what, what's driving them, where, <clears throat> where their strengths are, where they're less the areas of lesser strength, the areas where they may need a breakthrough, what's their driving motivation and passion? How do they think? Um, and 
So that really guides, it's the lens that I'm looking through in my coaching. So I've, I've done thousands of them in 26 years. Most of that was through uh, another company and their assessments. I became certified. I love the whole psychology, brain science, human behavior, uh, you know, to see what could I learn about people? What could I help them learn about themselves? I have people tell me all the time, you already know more about me and, and we hadn't even spoken before, then I not only do the people closest to me know, but that I even know about myself. And I think that's where I'm starting. I, I did a webinar called Visionary, uh, Visionary Leader, uh, Peak Success Begins With You, The First Hire. So that's one place where I start is to help the visionary leader of the organization be able to see themselves and their strengths more clearly. What would it be like if, if we were hiring you as this visionary leader CEO? Um, and what are you bringing? And then that forms a bit of a foundation for who should you be having around you? Where do we need to fill in gaps so that we can truly create the best strengths-based team? It's like in sports, if you've got one or two people as a part of that starting five of your basketball team, a couple of main stars, then who do you want to complement those people? And it really is, you can see in sports, a lot of times the customization of fit, right? It, that um, you've got, you know, you've, you've got this person who is amazing and their approach is this, this is their style, this is the way they play. And therefore we need this or that specific person to, to, be the best fit for them. And then somebody changes, the complexion changes. Now we have a different priority in terms of how we're looking at the team so that they will win. So they have the greatest chance of winning. Just having the biggest stars doesn't necessarily guarantee victory. And so it really is the teamwork. So how are we going to work as a team uh, effectively? How do we, so the, the ability to have these assessments gives me quick insights. It gives me powerful insights People who sometimes have a challenge with assessments will say, oh yeah, that was used before with me when I was being hired, but we never talked about it. I uh, never even got the results. I don't really see how it's relevant. Or people will say we did a one-off team building thing with assessments, kind of fun, learned some stuff, but it, it went away and we never talked about it again. So I'm trying to change that through assessments. I'm I'm looking at it as growth opportunities. I'm looking at it to how can we continue to understand more deeply who people are and maybe even see some of those areas where that, that describe, would say that's not who they are. Maybe that is some of who they are. We want to invite them into uh, finding those places within themselves. So it's not some life description when they have these assessment insights. It's, it's a view into maybe who they are, where they are now, and it can inform the journey of who they'd like to become or how do they step into their the their full expression of of who they actually are in this work environment so yes you mentioned about my own so over the over the last 5 6 years or so i've developed 9 of my own four that we call the core four uh, that looks at behavior, looks at thinking styles, looks at inspiration sources, and looks at emotional agility. And if I can know those four, then I can help guide hiring for role and team fit. I can, um, I can uh, 
guide the ongoing growth and development. I can help communication. I can help see the way to conflict resolution. I can see how to help people work better together and who should be coupled together more in different stages of the business development. And I love it. I mean, to me, it's just a daily challenge. Every unique individual is, is fun for me to learn about and to say, how can I help this person, this next unique person? Yeah, I, uh, I was really excited as I was learning more uh, that this was quite honestly a part of your arsenal, right? When you're coaching uh, mm -hmm. people, because as you know so well in this coaching space, uh, things can become very gray, right? Like I think everybody knows and understands how important it is to have a coach. I think a lot of people kind of slip in and out of like working with coaches, like personality yeah. fit and things like that. And what I love about this assessment piece is that like, it is the framework, right? It's the playbook. And so how do you even know how to help somebody move forward and develop if you don't have that playbook? And so I was really excited, you know, that you had put that together and, and listen, I mean, let, let's call it like it is how I challenge anybody to go look at anybody that is successful in a particular field. And you will hear them. I hear this all the time. Like, what would you suggest to younger people in your field, in your industry, find a mentor, find a coach, right? Like it is universal. Right. And for some right. reason, and this is why I thought it was so important to, at least for this first episode, have you share your story. I think as we get into the, you know, episodes moving forward, we're going to get into kind of some nuts and bolts, right? Some specifics right. of the work that you do, the work that your coaches right. are going to do. But I thought it was important for everybody to understand this framework of like where Matthew came from but then like how you're actually going to help people become successful. And in this assessment piece is big. And I will say, Matthew, that like at the end of that conversation with, with our friends, there was a common theme Man, that assessment, I forget which one they were talking about. It was right. It was yeah. me. It yeah. was real. Like, and to right. your point, yeah. like they work. Yeah. And sometimes right. that's the scary part, right? Cause we're looking at ourselves in the mirror. We're like, Holy cow. Like yeah. I knew this inside, but now this piece of paper is actually making it uh, a reality. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I, people often say, well, what do I do next with this? So right. yes, described me well, but how do I put this into action? And that's where I take it then. How do we fully optimize this? How can we create a language and a framework for the leaders and the team to know these strengths? We create charts and we we make this to where it's a, it's a tangible reality, learning the languages of each person in a way that is doesn't take their whole day. It's just right. a matter of continuing to add more nuances to their understanding. And it, I found it to be just the secret. Because I, I think that there's, like I mentioned before, there's nothing wrong with the, most of what's being done from a management coaching consulting perspective. Sure. But I have had new clients tell me that this is what was recommended, that I do this or this that way. And I'll look at, I, I see through the lens of those assessment yeah. strengths and then who they are, who they aren't. And I think not a bad idea in general, but for you, I don't really, that's not what I would suggest. Cause I don't think that, I don't think you're going to pull that off. Somebody yeah. else could do that. But for you, that's probably not going to be believable. It's probably not going to work and you're going to hate it. It's not going to work because you hate it actually. <laughs> right. So how do we find you get to play in your strengths? You will thrive. You will succeed at a much higher level. And last time I checked that square peg still does not go through the round hole. Right. I mean, it's just like, it, there are just some things like we are who we are, uh, learning that is important. And then, you know, in the case of coaching, you helping them move forward. So, uh, 
Yeah, I think, I, well, first of all, I just want to thank you for, for sharing your story. And the last thing I wanted to ask you as we wrap this episode and then kind of, you know, tease out the next one is uh, we've taken this journey, right, from kind of where you started and to kind of where you are now. And I know you have huge aspirations uh, to not only continue to help, you know, clients that want to work with you, but then also have other coaches kind of follow in your footsteps, where they, which I think is very inspiring. Uh, but when you look back at this journey after just kind of recalling it for the last 45, 50 minutes, right? right. Uh, what, what, what comes to mind? Like what, what are some of the biggest takeaways about kind of where you were at the beginning of this and, and where you are now? I, to me, I have, I just feel like it's been, it's just been an ongoing kind of natural evolution and flow along this way that as I continue to learn, as I continued to, develop myself, stay open to, to new opportunities. Um, I'm always open to continue to grow. And even at this point in my life, I, I, I remain committed to that. And, and, and as time has gone on, you know, it has it has shifted from me, um, directly helping everyone as a doctor, as the founding coach for People Plus Purpose, but to now to say, how can I, how can I equip and empower an army of new coaches or people who are already coaching, but would like to coach through this more personalized strengths-based lens so we can help more and more people. That if I could have hundreds to thousands of coaches around the world who are actually equipped to look at it, look through this lens uh, of, of how to see people and purpose, then I, I, to me, that's kind of the lasting legacy I would like to leave behind. So the great thing about documenting this, the great thing about this video, this conversation, this podcast is that today uh, you shared kind of what your vision is and I can't wait to look back at <laughs> what it's gonna look like uh, in the future. And I would, I would challenge everybody when you think about um, you know, Matthew talking about what it's like to have like coaches that are all working together, you know, with the same mission, think about sports coaches, right? We think about some of the great football coaches and like all of a sudden you wake up one day and it's like, man, <clears throat> this particular coach who was an assistant coach becomes, it was a predecessor and then they became a head coach and then they were successful. And it's like, if you really look at the impact of mm -hmm. somebody that builds a philosophy, something that they believe in, something that's proven, something that worked, uh, and then other people come on board, it's really, really impactful. And so I think that's what I'm most excited about, about the work that you're doing, not only just taking your individual success, but then making the decision to want to build this out. And that's going to be the next episode that Matthew wants you all to think about is like, do you have what it takes to be a coach, right? We know, as we've talked about, Matthew, there's a lot of you out there watching, listening to this. Uh, that have kind of felt that fire in your belly. And as we get into the next episode, I know you're going to touch on that. You're going to kind of hit on some things to hopefully maybe, you know, elevate that desire and, and, and really, you know, put it in a framework. Like, can you really do this? So I'm going to leave it there, uh, you know, for the next episode, but uh, Matthew, thank you for sharing your story. Again, it's been, a, been an honor to, to, to kick this off, you know, with you. And I'm excited about where we're going with all of this. Well, thank you for the questions you asked and guiding uh, the conversation and drawing out uh, some of those passions that I wanted to share. So thank you, John.
Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And again, uh, you know, subscribe to the Dr. Matthew Norton show on iTunes and Spotify, YouTube, and all of the social channels. And so until next time, we'll see you then. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you, John. Thank you.